Hello, this is Jim Reynolds, and you are on the Christian Life Empowerment Podcast. Hey, we are kind of digging out here in the Pacific Northwest. We we had the, the ice storms, as you might have heard when if you listened to my last podcast. And, and the ice is gone, and the power is up for most of the people. I think there's a small percentage of people that don't have power, but for most of us, we have power. And uh, But I still have a backyard full of trees and an insurance claim with the damage to my house. So, you know, it's... Uh, it's it's still going on. I tell you, that was that was something else. Because I, I picked up a buddy of mine. Well, he had called me a couple of weeks before, and he said he, he was going to have a back surgery. And he's a single guy, lives by himself, and and stares. And so he said, "Could I hang out at your house in your in your guest room after to recover from the surgery?" And I said, "Sure, you can." It's, good friend of mine from high school. I mean, guy I've known for 30, 40 years, right? And, and that just tells you how old I am right there. Um, but a great friend of mine. So I said, yeah. So I picked him up from his surgery on Thursday. It started to snow right about when I picked him up. We got home. It was okay the next day. And then Saturday morning, boom, the electricity goes out. Oh, and, and, and that got crazy because now the electricity's out. We have no power and it's sub-zero temperature. So sub-zero temperature, my son, one of my sons also didn't have power. Matter of fact, both my sons didn't, but, but my other son has a fireplace and I have a wood stove. And so my son that didn't have a fireplace or a wood stove, he came over to my house with his son. He's a single father and my grandson is eight years old. So, so here we got my friend that just got out of back surgery, my wife, myself, my son, and my grandson here at the house. And the ice is just forming on the trees. And we wake up in the middle of the night with huge branches just wham, just crashing on the top of the house. And I mean, and we're freezing cold. Of course, we, we've got the wood stove going in the living room, but that doesn't heat the whole house. It just heats one room. So we're all bundled up and, and we're trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do tomorrow? So I, I got to tell you it. You know, it really focuses your attention when you're in the middle of a crisis. And and I had a friend of mine that called me up and, and she got taken to the hospital with an ambulance, but then eh, didn't have a ride home. So I go to the hospital to pick her up and, you know, I'm, I'm going through ice and snow and then the crazy drivers. I mean, you got two types of drivers out here. You got one type of driver that, well, maybe three, but you know, you have some some logical drivers too, but you have this, those crazy people that just don't care. They got a four-wheel drive. They can get anywhere. They can do anything. But then you got the people that should never, ever, ever drive in the snow because it scares a living daylights out of them. So between those two types of drivers and the few of us out there, I, I count myself amongst the people that are logical drivers, of course, the few of us out there that are driving logically, it was just, oh, it, it's crazy out there driving in the ice and snow. And I go... I, and my friend, and she's a single mother, right? And so I, I, she doesn't have any firewood, but she has a fireplace. So we get some firewood and we take it up to her house and we go up this hill where, where I, I have to drop it off at the front door and I get up there and we drop off the wood, but then, you know, I can't get the rest of the way up this hill. And so I've got to back down. When I start backing down in my truck, it just doesn't stop. It decides it's going to slide backwards and I'm pumping on the brakes. And the only thing that keeps me from, from hitting something or going over a, a, a cliff there is, 
a four-inch curb. So, I mean, all this time, we got branches busting on the, the, the roof. We've got uh, freezing cold weather. We're, we're trying to scrounge up wood and keep the fire going. All of this with no electricity and driving around in the snow with the crazy drivers to try to, to get gas for the generator, which was hard because, you know, here's the thing I have never thought of really before is, is when the power goes out, guess what? The gas stations can't run their pumps. So I'm having to drive a long ways to find a gas station. And then sometimes they're out of gas. I mean, the propane was out very quickly. And then gas station, well, they had super. They didn't have any regular unleaded. All the regular unleaded was gone. And so it was just, it was, it was an interesting crisis, an interesting time of crisis. But I noticed that it really, my attention was focused on on that. I really didn't think about politics, about the news, about, you know, who was winning the football games. So, you know, whatever sports are going on, I, none of that was crossing my mind. It was all about what's the next step? What do we do to keep the family safe, to help my friends and relatives around me and to survive? And it's an interesting spot to be in. And I, I want to talk a little bit more about that later. But you, you wonder with, with all these calamities going on, and here in the Pacific Northwest, I mean, we've had the coronavirus with the, all the rest of the world, right? We've had that. And then we had the fires uh, last year in the fall. I mean, we had all the late summer. We had these these fires just swept through Oregon. It was just amazing. Um, and, and breathing smoke for like a week. I mean, it was just, you could hardly see down the road. And, and it had come to a point where I didn't even know if, if the smoke was ever going to be gone. It was just, it was just just with you when you went to bed, when you woke up all day long. And then, of course, now we have the ice storms where people losing their power for a week or so at a time in the middle of winter. You wonder, what's God up to? What's going on? Why would God allow one crisis after another to happen? What's God up to? And I kind of want to go back and look at Look at the 10 plagues of Egypt. And, and of course, this is, well, I don't know. Some of this, <laughs> your, your house is burning down and you don't have electricity in the middle of winter or, or you know, from the numbers I'm hearing, around half a million people died from the coronavirus. Yeah, yeah that, could, that could compare with, with some of the destruction that happened in Egypt. So when we look at these 10 plagues of Egypt, you know, I had a funny thought. Did God have to bring 10 plagues on Egypt in order to get the Israelites to leave? In order for the Israelites to, to be able to escape Egypt, was it truly necessary to, to take out all the crops, to turn the river into blood, to, 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 to take out all the, I mean, to kill all these livestock, and then to ultimately kill Pharaoh's son? I mean, was that really necessary? So, just a funny thought. Just, just you know, stay with me for a minute. What if? I mean, God is God, right? God can do anything. God can absolutely do anything. He's all-powerful, omnipotent. God is God. So what if God just came into Egypt one day, told Moses what was going to happen, of course, and then put all the Egyptians to sleep for a week? Put them all to sleep for a week. I mean, they just laid down one night, they went to bed, and for a week they slept. God just miraculously kept them alive for that week and kept them asleep. And during that week, the Israelites just all got up and left. The, the Egyptians would wake up a week later and look around and go, where'd they go? What happened to everybody? But they're all gone. 
I mean, and it just that's just one way in my imagination that it would work that the God could could have the Israelites leave Egypt without having to cause all that destruction. What if God would have have asked the Israelites to leave when another Pharaoh was in power? You know, a Pharaoh that that was maybe a little more timid, one that was a little more reasonable than the Pharaoh that was there when when the Israelites left. I mean, maybe he could have done it with all that destruction. Why in the world did we have to have 10 plagues? Because I don't absolutely think that was necessary. I think God could, could have got the children of Israel out of Egypt without the destruction. So why? What is God's goal? What is the reason that, that God allows things to happen and does things? You know, some of this we'll never answer. I mean, I, I've had parents who, who have children that have been abused, and they ask me, why does God allow that to happen? I, I don't have an answer for you. I really don't. I, I cannot wait myself to talk to God and say, hey, these children were, were molested. Why did you let that happen? What, what was the reasoning behind that? And, you know, I've got an idea, but I, I can't. I can't definitely put my finger on it and tell the parents, well, this is why God let that happen. No, there's, uh, we're, we live in a world of sin and a lot of sinful things happen. God stops some things and lets some things go. And, and I know it's all a big part of God plan and, and I'm not God, so I don't know. But, but there are some things I think we can get a, that we can open the window and kind of see the way God works. And, and I believe the, the Israelites and the, and the 10 plagues are one of these, these points in time. So the first thing God does when he goes in, of course, is, is he has Moses take in the staff with Aaron and Aaron throws the staff down and the staff becomes a snake. And, and then the, you know, the magicians from Egypt, they throw their staves down and their staves become a snake. And then Aaron's snake eats up their snakes. And, and so what you're seeing right there, right now is, is really the epic battle between good and evil, right? First, God does something. Then Satan tries to duplicate it. And boom, it doesn't work out for Satan at all. God wins. He's stronger. He's bigger. This happens again when, when God turns the, when the, the Nile into blood. And what's interesting about this is, is the Nile was considered the blood of Osiris, right? Clear, pure water they got fish out of that people lived off of. They watered their crops. All of a sudden, this water is, is turned to red, to blood, and the fish are dying. And they worship the Nile. And God directly attacks, attacks the, the, the Egyptian god. And so God attacks the Egyptian God and the Egyptians. They, they can duplicate this in, in a small amount. But not only God, does God turn the Nile into blood, but all the water pots in Egypt are turned into blood. And so here again, Satan tries to duplicate what God's doing. And he can't. This battle again is won by God. And again, we, we, we go into these other plagues. And Satan finally is no longer able to duplicate what God can do. But plague after plague after plague, God is attacking the deities of Egypt. He's attacking these Egyptian gods. Now remember, Egypt at the time was the superpower of the, the then known world. And here's God. He is attacking these gods one right after another. And until finally you get to Pharaoh. And finally, you get to the point where God is, he says, hey, the firstborn of, of everything, the animals, the people, they're going to die. And sure enough, Pharaoh, who was considered a God, 
who was considered Osiris himself, his son died. Why did God do it this way? What was his purpose in that? As you remember, I just said that, that Egypt at the time was the superpower, right? All the countries around looked up to Egypt. Syria looked up to Egypt. The Canaanites were looking up to Egypt. All these other, the, the Philistines looked up to Egypt. Everybody was looking at Egypt because Egypt was the most powerful nation. And God brought the most powerful nation to its knees. For one reason, I believe. God was showing the world who the true God was. Was God trying to save the Israelites? Yes, absolutely. God was trying to save the Israelites. But God was also trying to save the Egyptians. Remember, we look at some of these stories in the Bible and we see the Romans and we see the Egyptians and the Babylonians and we see these people as, as you know, the bad people in the story, the bad guys, right? But you got to remember, as you look through these stories, that all the people of the world, were, were they descendants of Adam, descendants of Noah? Yes, they were. All the people in the world are the children of God. God is not only trying to save the Israelites. God is trying to save the Egyptians. God is trying to save the Syrians and the Canaanites and the Palestinians. God is trying to save everybody by showing them that the Egyptians are worshiping false gods. And that the other, the other countries around them are worshiping God, false gods. And there's only one true God. And that is the God of heaven, the creator God. So now... Now that we know what God's goals are. Now that we know that God's goals are not just to save a certain group of people. God's goals are actually to save every person in the world. And this is the reason he does what he does. This is the reason that he didn't go in with a different Pharaoh. He went in with this Pharaoh because this Pharaoh was going to harden his heart. God knew he was going to harden his heart. God knew this Pharaoh was going to give him the opportunity to show who the true God was. God is laser focused. His whole focus is to save mankind, not just one, not just two, not just this denomination, not just that denomination, not just these people over here in this country or these people over here in that country. God is trying to save everybody. That's his goal. That's what he's trying to do. So what I want to ask you now is, is God sending a message with all these calamities? I mean, we've got the coronavirus, we've, we've got the fires, we've got, we've got the ice storm here in the Pacific Northwest, fire and ice. I mean, it, it, we've got it all coming together. In different parts of the world, you've got starvation, you've got children going hungry. But we've got all this stuff going on right now. Is it possible? Is it possible that God is, is allowing this to happen? in order to bring our attention to the true God. Just as he allowed this to happen, just as he made a lot of this happen in Egypt, God is God allowing this to happen. I don't believe God is making the coronavirus happen. I don't believe God burned down everybody's houses or, or you know, brought ice on Portland because Portland is such an evil city. I mean, I don't believe that God works like that for the most part, although there's some parts in the Bible that where he has um, absolutely brought, you know, fire and brimstone down on Sodom 
Sodom and Gomorrah. So there's are, are those points, but generally this is not how God works, but he does allow things to happen. So is God allowing these crises to happen one right after the other to bring our attention to him? To let us know that, hey, there's something going on here. There's a problem with this world. This world is, is getting old like a rag. This world is, is groaning. This, as we are groaning, waiting for Christ to come. It's time for, for God to, to come and take us home. It's, it's time to start focusing on what you need to be doing. I mean, I, I, was, I had a, a meeting with the police chief and the, the fire chief for Gladstone yesterday. I'm on the, the Gladstone emergency management team. And so we had a meeting with those two men. And, and they got hired in, in the latter part of 2019. And they were telling us, they said, well, since we've been hired, they were both hired at the same time. Since we've been hired, it's been one crisis right after another. And we don't know what's next. And this is the police, police chief and the fire chief. They said, we don't know what's next, but we need help. We need help. We need help from the community. And that's, that's where we specialize. That's where we come in is trying to, to give this help from the community. People don't know what's next. We've seen one crisis after the other in this in the last 365 days or so. I mean, it's been the most amazing time this world has ever seen. And so, is God doing this for a reason or allowing this for a reason? If you really want to know the goal that God has, if you really want to know how God focuses, say, I think it's good to turn to, to John 18, 28 to 40. So in John 18, 28 to 40 is the praetorium where Pilate, Jesus is taken to Pilate after he is with Caiaphas. And, and Jesus is in crisis mode at this point, right? Jesus is being taken to the cross. He knows he's going to die. He's known it from the day. Well, he's known it for quite a while. But Jesus is being taken in front of Pilate right now. And I want to I want to go over some of this. So we're going to go to John 18, 28 to 40. And it starts out. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium, and it was early morning. But they themselves did not go into the Praetorium lest they should be defiled. These are the, the high priests and the leaders, right? But that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? What accusation do you have against Jesus, he's asking. And they answered and said to him, if he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, you take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore, the Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Now I want you to, to listen to the answers. Jesus gives three answers to three questions here in the next few verses. And I want you to listen to, to these answers because I believe Jesus is doing more than, than maybe some people think that he's doing right here. Remember that Pilate's wife got a, a dream 
And she warned Pilate. She said, don't do, do have nothing to do with this righteous man. And Pilate, you can see him trying to get out of these, these, these things and, and trying to, to, to let Jesus go and, and maybe just punish him a little bit and let him go. But the Jews aren't letting him. But listen to this. Jesus is in crisis mode. But Jesus isn't necessarily trying to get Pilate to let him go free. Let's figure out what Jesus is doing here. And, and Pilate asked, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, thir verse 34, Jesus answered him, are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? Are you, are you asking for yourself? Or did somebody tell you this? Is the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart? The Holy Spirit had a, a, gave your wife a dream last night. Is the Holy Spirit now speaking to you? Or are you asking this because this is what the Jewish leader said? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you to me. What have you done? Again, Jesus answered, my kingdom is, is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered unto you or to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? And I, I, I picture this as Jesus answers this question. I picture Jesus gently looking in the eyes of Pilate and his voice gentle saying, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone, looking in Pilate's eyes, he says, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. I can hear him saying, Pilate, can you hear my voice? Do you hear what you're saying? Did you listen to your wife? Pilate said, what is truth? Jesus was trying to save Pilate. Jesus was in crisis mode. He's going to the cross. He tries to save Pilate. He, he, he asked Pilate, who, do, who says that I'm a king? Are you saying this? Is the Jews saying this? Are you feeling the Holy Spirit in your heart? Jesus he was, is trying to save Pilate. He who hears my voice can listen to the truth, knows the truth when they hear it. Pilate seals his fate when he says, what? is truth what is truth jesus to his last breath was trying to save everyone he could he's hanging on the cross the thief on the cross beside him says remember me when you come into your kingdom jesus said you will be with me in paradise to his last breath jesus is doing all that he can do to save everyone he can he is laser focused during a crisis, on saving everybody that he can. And is it possible? Is it possible that, that God right now has two goals? One goal, of course, as we've seen, as we looked at the cross, we know what God's major goal is, is to save everyone he can. But a second goal, as the crisis fall on the world. And I tell you, if this isn't it, this is a precursor. If this isn't it, this is a practice run, okay? Because there are some things happening that we have never seen before. And I'm not an alarmist. I'm not at somebody out there crying, end of the world. That's not me. But I think that we always have to have our eyes open. And if this is it, is God's second goal to focus the attention of the church on the salvation 
of mankind, knowing, knowing that God is coming soon. I started this podcast talking about the ice storm and and all the things that we were going through, the the huge branches falling from the tree onto the roof of my house and just crashing to the roof and waking me up in the middle of the night, sub-freezing temperatures and trying to keep the fire going, trying to help out friends that didn't have firewood and friends that were stuck in the snow. All of these things, when we're in crisis mode, our attention is focused, focused on what is most important. Is that what God is doing now? With the crisis happening one right after another, the coronavirus, the fires, the ice, and everything else that is happening in this world with political strife and and all that is going on, is God right now trying to focus the church on what is most important? And what is most important? It's the salvation of mankind. We can only pray that these disasters will help us truly value a soul. I wrote a a poem a while back. It's called The Value of a Soul. And here's how it goes. The value of a soul is worth the price that was paid when on the Son of God all my sins were laid. The Savior died the death that was meant for me, so now from this prison of sin, I have been set free. So when I look upon the cross and search to find my role, I wonder now, what would I give to save another soul? I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope to see you again real soon. You have a good day, stay safe, and God bless your ministry. Goodbye.